0: We're two hours away from the kickoff of BYU football. Jaron in
1: shotgun, looks left, goes for the end zone, and Chase Roberts, and Chase makes the catch!
2: It's a
0: touchdown! This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Let's get you ready for BYU football. Here's the host of Cougar Pregame Live, Jason Shepard.
3: Good evening, BYU fans. Welcome into Cougar Pre-Game Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Tonight, the 19th-ranked BYU Cougars back at home facing the Wyoming Cowboys. My name is Jason Shepard. Thank you so much for joining us for BYU football tonight. Joining me here outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Cougar Canyon is former BYU quarterback and our radio analyst Riley Nelson and Riley BYU enters tonight at 2 and 1 after dropping its first game of the season last weekend in Eugene. Everything about that game honestly was surprising to me and now you have a former conference foe coming to Provo in Wyoming. Honestly Riley, I'm really looking forward to seeing how BYU comes out tonight.
4: It should be like a shot like they're shot out of a cannon. I think that game last week let's left such a bad taste in their mouth now let me tell you what i maybe wasn't as surprised as your average fan or maybe not as surprised as you because like no one wins in eugene and with such a small sample size of oregon heading into that game they were still finding their identity and and you know that that week one against oregon and then uh for those following oregon was able to you know have a flurry of points at the end of the game to come back to beat washington state so they looked to be you know what a team that was uh, around the top ten in the preseason polls, they look to maybe have the makings of that. So hopefully, that loss proves to be a good loss as BYU enters the season. Anyway, leaving last week behind, coming into this week, I think uh, you know this is a game BYU should win, but I think uh, Wyoming poses some unique challenges that we'll discuss throughout the, our show. All right, before the Cougars face the Cowboys, let's get to tonight's game headlines. <laughs>
3: All right, obviously we were just talking about it, Riley. This is BYU's first chance to bounce back from something. Cougars had won two in a row. They go up to Eugene. They lose. So this is the Cougars' first opportunity to see how they bounce back from a performance that uh, that they know uh, they could have played a lot better. And one of the things that we talked about even going into the game at Oregon was the run game. And I'm curious to find out if the run game can find its footing. You had 83 yards against Baylor here a couple of weeks ago. Then you had 61 yards at Oregon. The, the, now, uh, granted, the game at Oregon, by the time, you know, the, the game kind of got out of hand early. And so at that point, second half specifically, you're not running the ball very much anyway because you got to throw the ball to get back into it. So that can answer some of it. But even when BYU tried to run the ball, it was just not something they were able to do consistently.
4: Yeah, you typically come into a game with probably four to six run concepts that you want to try and see how they're working that day. And as you pointed out, they uh, by the by the time you know the offense squandered their first possession, they're down two scores. They punt again on their second possession, and by that point, they're down three. And it's there's not enough possessions in the game to sit there and try and figure out all right which of the six run concepts that we brought into this game are going to be successful for us. Here's here's one th- two things that I'd like to see. Just me personally, you know, as a fan or as someone who's watched games consistently over the last season, it's it's obvious that. Ever since Coach Grimes left and Aaron Roderick has taken over, Coach Grimes was... Far more supportive of the quarterback running. Zach Wilson had a lot more carries than Jaron Hall. When it's, as you look at them objectively, Jaron Hall probably has more natural skills to be a threat in the run game. So we'll see if to kind of kickstart the run game, they get the quarterback a little bit more involved. Second is Tyler Algier just made a live and this and this same offensive line a, l- a lot of snaps returning made a living off that off tackle wide zone play, which they've either not been able to get going or have gone away from a little bit in the early goings of the season. I'll be interested to see those two things tonight if jaron hall's involved and if they go more to that off tackle zone play
3: well and some of the other things we're still waiting on and hopefully we'll have a little more clarity once we are able to have our visit with the voice with greg rubel coming up in a little while it's what's the status of puka nakua and gunnar romney things obviously at least looked like maybe things were progressing a little bit more as the week continued but you just never know uh until you get to game time so we'll hope to get some answers to that question we do not have those right now Uh, and then BYU will be down a tight end today uh, Dallin Holker entering the transfer portal this week. We will have more on that coming up in Cougar Cuts. So let's uh, move things over to the Wyoming side of things. Wyoming coming in with a record of 3-1, and one. coming off their best win of the year, and that was a win over Air Force, 17-14. Their victories have been against Tulsa and Northern Colorado. The only loss was on the road at Illinois. Uh, they do have a quarterback that BYU has faced. Now, granted, it was only uh, a little bit. Uh, Quarterback Andrew Peasley transferred from Utah State. So he was in that game last year that BYU won in Logan. He was 5-7 for for 38 yards and an interception. You have uh, Craig Bowles, the head coach. He's in his ninth season at Wyoming. The one thing that constantly uh, you hear about this Wyoming team is just how physical they want to play. And I think that's going to be a big factor tonight.
4: A lot of their identity is the same as BYU's in that physicality is one of their foundational principles. Another one is they try to avoid or they do a good job avoiding self-defeating penalties. So they're not going to give you penalty yards. They're not going to give the ball away. They're not going to make life easy on you. They're going to make you earn it. One thing I am interested to see Peasley get out, he, of course, played – he was at Utah State when my brothers were still in the program. And so, uh, you know, have, have known him. He's been up to the house uh, and, and watched him play. He is... You just mentioned his stats last year against Utah State, not so hot. But there's been plenty of other games when he was called upon, he made plays, and he's shown that in the early goings of this 2022 season. He's a very level-headed leader. He is. He runs like a deer. If he gets into open space, yeah. he's got. He's a big, long, fast strider. You've got to contain him. Yeah. So that that'll pose. He'll be the best running quarterback that BYU will play, especially this early in the season and maybe the entire season. So, uh, well, you know, BYU should take care of business in this game i i think that uh, wyoming could be sneaky and and give some trouble if the cougars let him
3: well and this is obviously a rivalry that is has been has a history of being somewhat of a nasty one whether the, the game was played here in provo or played up in lovely laramie wyoming uh but these are obviously uh, longtime conference foes the last meeting was actually back in 2016 so the first year of Kalani's tenure as head coach in the Poinsettia Bowl. If you remember back, Bills quarterback Josh Allen was the quarterback of the Cowboys. Cougars getting the win 24-21 in that uh, rain-soaked Poinsettia Bowl in San Diego. Um, And it was interesting, I guess I didn't realize this at the time, but outside of Utah and Utah State, BYU has played Wyoming more times than any other team. So there is a very long history between these two teams. And I say rivalry, I honestly think it's probably more of a rivalry on the Wyoming side of things because we know because they're very vocal about it they really don't like BYU very much or anything about BYU but and one of the other reasons why is BYU's pretty much dominated this series. Cougars have had the upper hand 45 30 and 3 overall. Cougars are 26 13 and 1 in Provo. Cougar the Cowboys have not won in Provo since 1987. You were not born in 1987 were you Riley? The June of 88. Oh my goodness. Man <laughs> alive. So anyway, I mean this is this is this and I say rivalry
4: again. I, well, but 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 it, you know what I mean. No, Shep. I think it's generational. I think so. It for, forty five, thirty, and three. That's not we didn't gap them forever <laughs> well, out of right. that many meetings. Thank goodness for Lavelle. Yes. I think our generation grew up having never ever witnessed a, a loss or at least a, a significant amount of losses. Uh, so you can see why, from the p- p- Wyoming perspective, they were all raised by their grandparents, to, you know, to hate right. BYU because yes. they saw where Wyoming right. owned it, right? Pre Lavelle, Lavelle comes in, and you know the Cowboys hardly ever get a loss, whether it's in Laramie or here in Provo, and so th- that leaves a bitter taste in that generation's mouth. So you've got the grandparents, and they've raised now the current generation to really dislike the Cougars. I tell you what, when we played there. Uh, back in 2009, definitely felt that animosity. And it did add uh, something to the game. Wyoming will come out very intense and ready to play today. Uh, But just the talent disparity that BYU has been able to establish and maintain over the years, just over the course of a game, makes it very difficult for Wyoming, as, as evidenced by the last win in Provo coming in 1987. It's been very difficult for them to come in here to Lavelle Edwards and get come away with a win.
3: All right, coming up next, we'll preview tonight's matchup with Wyoming play-by-play broadcaster Reese Monaco. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Jason Shepard.
3: Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Riley and myself out here at Cougar Canyon. And joining us from the press box upstairs is the play-by-play voice of the Wyoming Cowboys. His name is Reese Monaco. Reese, thank you for taking a few minutes tonight. We really do appreciate it.
5: You bet, guys. Glad to be here with you. Glad to be here in Provo. It's been a long time since uh, the Cowboys have played a football game here.
3: Yes, it has, and we were just talking about that history. Look, the history between these two teams uh, can can be described as kind of nasty. Wyoming fans don't like it, and they don't make a secret that they don't like BYU very much. Uh, What is the buzz from the Cowboys' side of things heading into tonight's matchup?
5: Well, I think the Cowboys, uh, you know, they're confident coming into this one after that win over Air Force. I mean, that was a completely unexpected win uh, you know, for Wyoming. Air Force was, was riding high. They were probably carrying the flag for the Mountain West Conference, and, uh, you know, they came in at 17-point favorites, and Wyoming just kind of flipped the script on them, and it did to Air Force what Air Force does to other teams and just – hung on to the football and ran it right at them. So they're 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 confident coming into this one, but they know what stands in front of them, and that's the 19th-ranked BYU Cougars in one of the toughest places in all the country to play here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. When this place gets packed for these night games, it's as intimidating a place as there is anywhere in the country. So they know that's what's in front of them.
4: So Reese, it's interesting. You just kind of laid out. I was going to draw some parallels between what happened with BYU in, from week two to week three. B- big, somewhat unexpected, you know, emotional win here at home against Baylor, and then they got to go on the road in a very tough environment to play you know, up in Otson Stadium. Wyoming's facing the the same situation. So what's the what's the plan of attack? Maybe you know to where B, to where BYU obviously struggled to uh, execute. Uh, In a similar situation, how does Wyoming set themselves up to have uh, different fortunes?
5: Well, the Cowboys, one thing they're going to have to try to establish the run, because that's what uh, Craig Bull does. That's in his DNA, is to try and run the ball. The one thing that Oregon has in bunches that uh, maybe Wyoming lacks is that Speed on the outside, and I think that's really what uh, hurt BYU against Oregon was uh, was Oregon speed. Now the Cowboys don't necessarily have that, but I think they they might be able to match up a little bit along the fronts. But that's what BYU is known for those big lines on the offense and the defense they just do an outstanding job so you know Cowboys are just going to ball control try to move the chains and uh, keep BYU's offense off the field but again uh, the Cougars defense uh, they have guys that play just downhill those linebackers come at running backs and uh, they flat attack so it's going to be it's going to be a tough tack for that task for that offense to stay out there on the field.
3: Want to take a quick second and welcome those joining a Cougar pregame live, listening on KSL News Radio. My name is Jason Shepard, joined by Riley Nelson. And up in the press box, uh, we're down here at Cougar Canyon, just on the west side of the L. Edwards Stadium. Joining us in the press box tonight is Reese Monaco, the voice of the Wyoming Cowboys. Um, And, Reese, until this game and doing the prep, I, I didn't realize how young of a team this Cowboy team was. But they do have some key vets. But with the youth on the team, is this specific group, would you consider them
5: ahead of the timeline, or is this type of start not much of a surprise? No, I think it's a complete surprise. Uh, And, you know, they're coming together, which is a good thing, and sometimes... Maybe the youth is not such a bad thing because they just don't know any better sometimes when you're young you just don't know any better you're no, you you don't know that you know Air Force was supposed to come in and run all over you and they flipped the script on Air Force and you know coming in here to uh, provo you know being young uh, they they don't have a whole lot of history or knowledge about this uh, this series with BYU you know they they what they do know is this is just going to be a football game and uh, they can go out and and do and what they're supposed to do and hopefully execute at a high level. So sometimes being young might not be a bad thing because they just don't know any better.
4: Reese, this Wyoming defense obviously as evidenced by the win last week against Air Force is just stout. It seems to be by somewhat of a nameless defense, uh, you know, just a ton of effort, a ton of pursuit, but it, to me, it all seems to start with Gibbs and Sui Onoa in the middle. What defensive players should BYU fans and listeners be on the lookout for tonight?
5: Yeah, those are two of the two of the big ones, but I think they should also be on the lookout for uh, Cole Goodball, uh one of the defensive tackles, and Jordan Bertinoli. Uh, Cole is a guy that I think could probably play anywhere. He gets into the backfield. He can be disruptive. Jordan uh, Bertinoli, also along the defensive front, can be disruptive. And uh, uh, Braden Siders is also coming into his own at one of those defensive end positions. The Cowboys were a little bit thin coming into the season at defensive end, but they got to a couple of guys that are starting to develop at that position. Give our listeners
3: an idea of what to expect from Andrew Peasley tonight.
5: Well, you're what you're going to see from him is a guy that is uh, really not going to be flashy. He will change the play at the line of scrimmage if he sees something that uh, he will uh, favor the Cowboys. He's he'll make throws that he knows he could make. He's not going to try and, you know, he He's not Josh Allen, and everybody can, when you talk quarterbacks at Wyoming, everybody compares somebody to Josh Allen, and that's not a fair comparison. He doesn't have Josh Allen's arm to where he could probably squeeze it in a tight window. He'll make the right read, and he'll make the right pass, and he's a, he's a guy that so far through uh, four games for the Cowboys has made good decisions, and for the Cowboys to be successful, that's what they need. They need Andrew Peasley to be a good game manager.
4: One of the things, uh, just to follow up on on Peasley, I uh, I had brothers actually that played with him at Utah State, and I remember as I was keeping tabs on their games, it seemed like every time he got in, uh, mostly in a backup role, but he was ripping one off for 40, 60. He's got the, that big playability with his legs. Is, uh, is that something that this coaching staff is trying to utilize of his, or are they having more in the role of facilitating the offense?
5: No, they do have quarterback run is part of Wyoming's offense, but they're trying to limit that as much as they can just because they want to limit the amount of contact that Andrew Peasley has because they need Andrew Peasley healthy. They don't need him on the sideline uh, being worked on. So there will be some designed runs, but – For the most part, a lot of it is just him trying to make something happen. But, yeah, the quarterback run is part of the Cowboy offense, but it hasn't uh, been as much a part as it has been in the past.
3: Reese, last thing before we let you go, and we do appreciate your time. Uh, BYU a heavy favorite in this game, but what does the script look like if Wyoming is going to flip that script tonight?
5: Well, uh, it's going to be the Cowboys are going to have to keep uh, the BYU offense off the field, kind of like they did with their force. Uh, They took the opening drive, went eight minutes down, and put points on the board. If Wyoming is going to flip the script, they're going to have to either match or be better than BYU in time of possession, and uh, that's going to be a big if. But uh, if they want to flip the script, that's what's going to have to happen. Reese, great insight.
3: Thank you so much for taking a few minutes. We appreciate it. We know you've got a pregame to get to, so uh, we'll let
5: you get to that. Have a great call tonight. Thank you. You bet, gentlemen. Pleasure joining you. Thank you. There
3: we go. That's the voice of the Wyoming Cowboys, Reese Monaco. Up next in Cougar Cuts, Kalani Satake says the Cougars have no choice but to fight after being humbled last week. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network.
3: Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Bouncing America Credit Union. Before we get to Cougar Cuts, we are coming to you live on the west side of Lovell Edwards Stadium, getting you ready for 19th-ranked BYU and the Wyoming Cowboys. We're out here at Cougar Canyon. We've got some people that are hanging out, watching and listening to the show. How about a uh, how about a, a roar of Cougars out here? That's what I'm talking about. We. This is what I. This is what I love. This is the best part about being out here at Cougar Canyon is having all the Cougar fans around us, and uh, we appreciate that
4: uh, for sure. They bring a certain energy to the show, don't they, Riley? They do, and uh, we're right across the Cougar Canyon from Bilt Bar. So <laughs> if it was a little muffled, it's because their cheeks are full with the. Yeah, I finally got to taste the Cougar Tail Puffs. I
3: finally got to taste the uh, yeah the Cougar Tail Puffs, which are absolutely delicious. So uh, I finally got to taste one of those. All right, Cougar Cuts, it's time now. Um, After the loss to Oregon, head coach Kalani Satake um, was, was not pleased with what he saw in Eugene. And he says his team is now forced to find its swagger again.
6: Being questioned a little bit as a team, as a program, you have one choice. I've asked these guys to be humble and be hungry. Now you got no choice but to be humble and to learn. And now you got no choice but to get hungry and get after this next game. I wish the game was tomorrow, but we'll take advantage of the time, get ready for it. But we're expecting a great shot from from Wyoming. The, 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 their coaching staff's too good not to have them ready.
3: Look, and it goes back to what we talked about in the first segment. This is BYU's first chance to bounce back, and I'm excited to see how they do that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, hopefully, it's. I think about the bowl game last year that obviously ended the season as a down note, then how they came out against South Florida. Hopefully, they can reproduce that. The Kalani Sataki does seem to be able to uh, adequately balance both dealing with the disappointment of, of a tough loss like that and using it to make his guys more hungry and come out and play even better the next week, put it behind him and focus on the task at hand and deliver.
3: While the Cougars are a heavy favorite tonight, BYU favored by three touchdowns. Coach Satake has been impressed with the Cowboy offense and isn't surprised that they're having success.
6: If you look at their game, I mean, they they build a lot of the stuff off of their their run game and they're, they're physical, so they they use a lot of uh, multiple sets. With I, I always like teams that have a fullback, you know, and have a, a tight ends, big physical tight ends, but they have a really strong O line. Quarterback, uh, he, you know, we we've seen him run. He's fast. He's got some athleticism, and he even shows it on uh, as a as a threat to run. And then they have really good skill positions, you know. So you're looking at the, uh, they can pretty much do whatever they want. They've they've been able to get into their personnel groups and spread you out and go and empty. They can go in empty if they need to, but uh, I think they have an identity of trying to establish the run game and then building off of that. But I, I think that's um, also, uh, I don't know if that's a correct statement because they have tons of talent. They can, they can spread you out, and they're having success for a reason. And I think they're, the variety of things that they can do as an offense poses problems for defenses, as it's, been, as it's shown. They got some really good wins on and, and against some really good teams. So we have them here at home. We're excited about that. But we, we need to be a lot better than we were last week and a lot better than we were from week one and week two. So we need to make a huge jump of improvement going into this next game.
3: Yeah, you know, you, you look, you're a former player. You you you've heard it. You know, we need to, we can't worry so much about the opponent. We got to worry about us. I really think that's something that the BYU is sort of taking to heart this week. Is there were so many things. Kalani challenged the team to be a better execution team and more better at fundamentals. I think that's what tonight is really about for BYU. Because if they can do that, then I think they can handle what Wyoming can throw against them.
4: He's been somewhat of a broken record ever since our post-game interview with him last week, all through this week, that he just feels like there was un- there is an uncharacteristic amount of mistakes being made yeah. out on the field. And so, uh, you know, that's tough as a coach because you're not quite sure how – are we not, you know, is it not getting through to the guys? Are we putting the guys in wrong schemes where they're not? They're thinking too much and they're, they're not being instinctive, and, therefore, they're making mistakes? They're, you know, putting together that puzzle is a tall task for coaching staffs, but Kalani Satake is one of the best in the country at doing that, and I expect to see the fruits of his efforts this week on field, on display tonight.
3: All right, finally, outside of the actual game, the big story this week has been tied in Dallin Holker leaving the program and entering the transfer portal. Um, I've edited several sound bites together to to give a bit more explanation. Now, the bites are questions that offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick answered specifically about Dallin Holker. Now, nothing I mentioned edited, nothing that Aaron said was edited, just edited in the sense that several things were put together for one long sound bite. So with that, we start with A-Rod being asked about the overall situation.
7: Just that I love Allen, love coaching him, and I uh, wish him the best. I you know, really, really like that kid, and uh, you know I was gutted. Was there any surprise for you um, when he when he told you that he was going to leave the program at, at three weeks in? Was I surprised? Yeah. He buried. Is the door open for him to come back if he wanted to? Um, that would be Kalani's decision, not mine.
8: Could you see moving up the depth to the chart, the to, the chart the to take Allen's spot as well, it were?
7: Well, Isaac's already been our starting tight end, and he'll he'll keep being our starting tight end and he's Isaac's playing really good football he's playing very well for us and uh and he's not even 100 percent yet so I mean I expect him to just keep getting better you said you were kind of surprised I'm curious like did you have any conversation with him prior to that and when did you kind of find out um I've already said everything I want to say about it I wish just that I wish him well I really like the guy
3: Look, Riley, it's not our place to speak on somebody's personal decision that they make based off of their own circumstances and what they think is best for them. What I do want to talk about is the fact that it does it's one less weapon that BYU has on offense, and that's what we can focus on.
4: We've talked about depth and uh, how you know it's been something throughout Independence that BYU, whenever they bump up against P5s, has seemed to be a disadvantage at. But in recent years... Their depth has has been able to match these P five opponents, and uh, you know nowhere is it stronger than at the tight end position. And this is a hit to that. Listen, this is going to be BYU because Kalani Sitake is who he is, and players love to play for him. BYU has enjoyed being one of the whether you want to call it the top or bottom, whichever way you're ranking <laughs> number of transfer transfers. Right, they have the fewest number of transfers among all college football programs, largely due to the culture and the person that Kalani Sitaka is. However, as they continue to build depth at key positions like this, this is going to become a more and more frequent occurrence because you just look at the numbers, right? And and you may say it's a knee-jerk reaction or this or that, and people will have their opinions. But, like, bottom line is, Dallin Holker was not getting the ball a whole lot, and he definitely wasn't being featured in this offense because of all the talent around him, right? So that's a tough position to be in, and... And as you, as you alluded to at the top of this segment, who are we to uh, prohibit a kid from going and finding success, success that he feels is best for him?
3: All right, up next, the pride of modern-day high school. Cody Epps joins me for this week's edition of Shep Talk. More Cougar pregame live right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
3: Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Tonight, the Wyoming Cowboys at Lavelle Edwards Stadium as the 19th-ranked BYU Cougars look to rebound from their first loss of the season. And one of the guys that uh, was part of... The game plan in Oregon last week, in fact, scored his first collegiate touchdown, is Cody Epps. And he has been one of those guys that has taken advantage of his opportunities this season. Uh, I asked Cody how much the team can learn from the Oregon game as it moves forward through the season.
7: So on a personal level, I, I just got to learn to um, just just stick to my – like what I do to be efficient on the field. I have to stick to that stuff and harp on it when I get to practice. Like I talked about it earlier, the routes that I run, my depths. I want to do all those things really well so that when the next game I want to do all those things really well in practice. So when the next game hits, I'm I'm doing them at a very high level. And then from a team standpoint, um just just sticking to what we're used to, sticking to what we do on a daily basis, which is watching film, going out to practice and practicing hard.
3: I think we just continue those things and we'll we'll get things straight. You're obviously used to scoring touchdowns a lot, but you had to wait till last game to get your first collegiate touchdown. What was that moment like for you? It was pretty epic. Um but when you're down, when you're when you're losing and you're trying to, you're trying to
7: rally, I, w- I was just trying to get back to the sideline so we could get ready to talk about the next drive and what we could do to to get in the end zone again. Um but it was it was pretty epic. I didn't it didn't hit me until after the game when all my teammates congratulated me. But during the game, I was just like, okay, like I scored, but let's go.
3: Like we, we still got more minutes to play on this game. So but it was pretty cool. Well, and, and like you said, in the, when you're in the moment, you can't really think about a lot of things, big picture, but after the fact, I got to imagine there's probably quite a few emotions because you had to deal with the injury and you had to sit out last year. And so you're finally getting some playing time. I, I have to imagine that was a really big deal for you.
7: Yeah, it was a super big deal. And, and definitely talking to my parents, coach Kalani came and asked me immediately, like we're down and, usually the head coach is somewhere cursing on the sideline from other schools, like, you know, and he instantly comes up to me and was like, Hey man, how'd it feel? Like he, he's happy for me. So that felt really good. And then talking to my, um, talking to my mom, my grandma, my dad, my uncle, like it was, it was pretty cool. Cause I, I do this for them essentially, you know, like I want to make them proud of course myself, but it was pretty cool that they congratulated me. And I, I got to say thank you
3: for getting me through the injury and all that type of stuff. You know, you see this, a lot in the pros, but I don't necessarily really think I've seen it too much. If ever in college, do you get to, you don't get to keep the football. Do you get anything to sort of commemorate your first collegiate touchdown? Is there anything that you have because of that? So I have a, I have a screenshot
7: of me and an elder cousin of mine. My elder cousin is uh Terrence Whitehead. He went to the university of Oregon and, uh, He instantly texted me and said, congratulations. That was where he scored his last touchdown and where I scored my first. So I guess that's where the that's going to be a memory forever that I I used to look up at my cousin for playing at Oregon and being a baller. And I get to score in Austin Stadium. And then growing up playing NCAA 14, like I always wanted to
3: (laughs) play in Oregon and feel that crowd noise and all that type of stuff. So it was pretty lit. So like nobody wants to see guys get hurt and have to miss time, but it does give others a chance to step up. And you've certainly been one of those guys second on the team in receptions, third in yards. How nice has it been for you? Obviously getting your first touchdown is great, but just to be more involved in the offense this year, how nice has that been?
7: Um, it, it feels good, man. Cause like I said, like last season, I was out all season. So I wasn't even in this conversation of playing at all. I was, I was on the sidelines, cheering my team on, screaming as loud as I can when they make touchdowns and stuff. So it feels really good when you make a play and your 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 coaches, your your teammates are congratulating you when you come to the sideline. It, so it's
3: pretty it's pretty fun. Wyoming and BYU have been playing each other for a really, really long time. Usually, as conference opponents, that's obviously way before your time at BYU. But what do you know about the three and one Cowboys? I don't know much. I, I heard Isaac Rex talk about them a little
7: bit about yeah, they being in the same conference a couple of times, but um, I don't. I don't really know much about the Cowboys.
3: Well, in terms of the team this year, one thing that that they bring to the table, they want to be physical. They want to try and out physical the opponent. You guys have already played in a game. Similar to that with Baylor, where it was a really, really physical game. How much do you think a game like that against Baylor can help you against another team that wants to really play physical?
7: It helps you a lot understanding is through experience so when you go through a game like that going into this game we kind of know what to expect and we kind of know what to bring w- with ourselves we know we know what level of intensity we know what to bring in the physicality and the speed and stuff that we need to bring into this game as well so it, it's good to feel that from another team and it's also good to understand that we can bring that same
3: intensity too. All right, Cody, let's wrap things up with the final four. These are the personality questions. So I've asked all these same questions to your teammates in the previous weeks. Okay. So we'll see how your answers stack up. All right. First off, what's your favorite class at BYU? My favorite class
7: at BYU is probably the religion classes. I I don't have a, Uh, a class in specific. The reason I like the religion classes is because the professors are always the coolest dudes on campus. They're so chill, so understanding and caring and very empathetic to people on campus in general. So very nice. Very good. All right. Which is better the book or the movie? I would say the book, when you get into a really good book and you get to reading that the book is amazing. The movie is cool, but you only get max two hours out of a movie, you know, a book that can last forever. And you can always go back and read it and still
3: find details and stuff that you didn't find. Okay, Cody, you're the first person that said the book. Yeah. Everybody else has gone with the movie. And I am, I personally am the movie guy. So, but you, so, but that's good. I'm glad that there's a little bit of variation in these answers, but you're the yeah. first one to say the book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's the first thing you would buy if you inherited a million dollars? First thing I will
7: buy, I would immediately pay off whatever debt my mom and dad have. I wouldn't, that would be the first thing that I'll take care of. You are such a good son. Look at that.
3: <laughs> You're not even thinking of something, buying something for yourself. It's paying off something for your parents. Yeah, that'll be my first purchase. Look, that's that's fantastic. You're endearing yourself to a lot of people. All right, this question may be a little difficult because you haven't been here a, a ton of time, but wh- what will you remember most about the era of independence? Obviously, this is BYU's last year as an independent before going into the Big 12. So really want to focus on this era of BYU football. So what will you remember most about the era of independence
7: the thing i remember forever is how hard coach kalani and tom homo fought for us in that 2020 season when i first got here it was kind of kind of crazy leaving high school having fans all over the place and knowing who you're going to play against to the next season my first year in college it's like we don't have fans we don't know who our next game is going to be like but they fought for us. so my my biggest memory is going to be them and how they handled it and i appreciate them for that Awesome
3: job. Cody, you're uh, you're a great young man. Appreciate the time. Congratulations on your first touchdown. One of many yes, coming in a BYU you. uniform. Appreciate it. Good luck against the Cowboys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Appreciate Cody Epps taking a few minutes this week. Up next, we showcase another game in our series of the best wins of Independence. And I can guarantee you that this one is Mitchell Juergens approved. You're tuned into Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
3: Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Coming to you live in Cougar Canyon, just west of LaBelle Edwards Stadium. Stop by, say hello. Getting ready for 19th-ranked BYU and the Wyoming Cowboys. Renewing a long-time nasty Conference rivalry tonight here in Provo Now with the Cougars welcoming in a Mountain West Conference opponent tonight It seemed appropriate to focus on another matchup Against an MWC team for tonight's look back on the best wins of Independence Riley, let's get in the wayback machine and go back To 2015, number 20 Boise State at BYU The date, September 12, 2015 The site, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, Provo, Utah. The week after the Mangum Miracle at Nebraska. Tanner Mangum was getting his first collegiate start and was the guy after Taysom Hill, unfortunately, was lost in that Nebraska game for the season. Boise State, as I mentioned, came in ranked number 20. The Broncos showed why they were so good, leading BYU by 10 points. They were up in the fourth quarter, 24-14. From that point on, the Cougar offense got going and the BYU defense came up huge. BYU outscored Boise State 21 to nothing in the fourth, including the unforgettable star man play when Mangum found our very own Mitchell Jurgens, who may make an early appearance on the show, in the end zone. That was followed by a fifty-yard pick six by Kainakua to seal the deal for the guys from Provo. Here's how it sounded that September evening.
9: Ideal conditions in Provo, Utah at Lavelle Edwards Stadium for tonight's battle out west. The 20th ranked Boise State Broncos, 1-0. BYU also 1-0. Boise with a lot of pressure again. On the run, throws a dangerous throw, but the receiver's open. 30-yard line. It'll be a BYU touchdown. Mitchell Juergens. How about that? Finley from his end zone. Going to take a shot down the field, and the coverage intercepted by Nakua at the 35-30. Nakua inside the 20, down the sideline. He'll be knocked out of bounds at about the 11-10 yard line, and Finley throws a critical interception, and BYU's in great shape. Second down at 19. They go onto the ground here with Brown. Brown gets inside the 10, the 5, and down to the 1. All this passing from Tanner Mangum has spread out this defense. And that allows the run game to get going. They they caught him on a blitz and gashed him right up the middle. Very similar to what they did on that final drive against Nebraska. Running draw play for the time running out of that game. That one worked to perfection. They go right up the gut. And are they in? I'm still waiting on a call. He was in. Yep, they got it. They got it. Touchdown, BYU.
1: 54 seconds on the clock, and it's 4th and 7 for BYU. Boise 24 and BYU 21. Mangum in the gun, two wides to either side. They need seven yards. Snap Tanner on a three-step. Boise gets in. He's got room to the right. Tucks. Throws anyway. In the end zone it is. Caught! It's caught for a touchdown! Mitchell Jurgens leaning back and hauling it in. Somehow he caught it. The kid is hot tonight. Snap. Settles. Fires. It's intercepted! The Cougars have it! Kainakou, the hat trick! His third pick on the run! 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5! Touchdown!
3: Oh, yeah, what a great night. And, look, that game alone was enough to be completely excited about. But when you pair that with what happened the week before, it was an absolutely unbelievable run for those two games. And guess who just happens to be walking around at the time we're talking about this, Riley? It's the man himself, Mitchell Jurgens. His segment's not even for another 15 minutes, but he's he wants to talk about his play. Like, honestly, though. Johnny
4: on the spot on the field <laughs> during the game. Yes. Johnny on the spot for the broadcast.
3: Honestly, I, I really wanted you to come in front of us and just, like, star man right in front of us. <laughs> like, honestly, how often how often is that brought up to you?
10: Uh, it's brought up a lot. I mean, that, that game, it'll definitely go down. You know, in the history book, history books for me, just, just such a fun win to be a part of. I mean, you talked about it, right? This is, this is the week after Nebraska. <laughs> um, I, I remember going into the fourth quarter, right? We're down twenty-four um, fourteen. There's the the Taysom Chance. I mean, we're we're playing for so much more than just going to be two and zero, right? Taysom was was supposed to have a stellar season. He goes down to Nebraska. We're playing for him. We have a true freshman quarterback, fresh off his mission. Uh, made magic happen um, against Nebraska. And it, it was just, I, I mean, the everything leading up to this event, I remember it, even before the game started, we came to the Cougar Walk. It was a wide-out game, and I'd never seen so many fans <laughs> – you know getting ready for that cougar walk and and you just felt so much passion so much energy and so to uh, to be you know a small part of that game um is is something that i'll, I'll cherish forever and is it, i won't forget it i get i get chills every time uh, every time those those audio clips are played
3: so is that the great i was actually going to ask you this during your segment coming up you know like i said in like 15 minutes but i'll ask you now is that the greatest football play of your career i'm talking like include high school college high everything. school
10: wow Going back to – I mean, it has to be. Yeah. I mean, on this stage, um, you know, for me, I, I grew up a BYU fan, and so it was it was my lifelong dream to put on a BYU uniform play for, uh, you know, in front of this uh, this amazing crowd. And, and so to to have that kind of play, I mean, it has to it, – it's definitely going to go down as, as one of my top plays. Um, you, you mentioned high school. I'm kind of going back. Uh, there, there was one play, and, and I, I won't forget it, in high school um, – it was so me and my twin Garrett. We we played together and we hooked up on a reverse pass. Garrett threw it, I caught it. Um, it was a it was a fun play back in the day. I won't forget that one. So,
4: but was it to win the game? It yeah. wasn't.
10: It wasn't to win the game. But it's one of those things. Those those twin you know twin connections. It was it was, it was a let, fun play.
4: Let me just one, one thing was so was Kurtz on that team?
10: Uh, Nick Kurtz, yes. So
4: you had Nick Kurtz uh-huh. six six. You had Mitch Matthews six six, Taron Hauk six five. Of course, you throw the jump ball Hail Mary to Mitchell Juergens at uh, you know what?
10: A generous five well, five. There you go.
4: Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so. let's not make, let's let's not, let's not talk ill of anyone in the fives, okay? All
3: right, we're not gonna. I'm gonna put a no, kibosh hey, on that right now. Hey,
4: you know, Tanner zigged when he zagged and uh, <laughs> when he should have zagged, and Mitch was right there to make good on it. All right, Mitch, we'll bring you back for your actual
3: segment coming up uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, when we come back, though, guess who's here, everybody? The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubell, right here, is going to join us next. We'll talk with him when Cougar Pregame Live continues on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network
3: back to Cougar Canyon outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium, number 19, BYU hosting Wyoming tonight. Cougar Pre-Game Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Joining us now out here amongst the folks is the one and only, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg, uh, welcome out to uh, Cougar Canyon. It's good to see you.
1: They've uh, flipped us on the sides of the street. Yes. To keep the sun out of your eyes. Yes.
3: Now we we no longer have to look into the... Riley even brought his shades just in case. Didn't need them as as we uh, found out.
1: Very nice. Very comfortable. Now the fans across the way. Yes. You know until the sun goes down have to deal with it but uh we're okay with that
3: well speaking of dealing with things BYU's had some players dealing with some injuries and it's it's kind of funny for for the last couple of years that it seemed like the broken record question was who's going to start a quarterback well now we don't need to worry about that now it's who's going to start a wide receiver do we know anything definitive on who will and will not play for BYU tonight
1: just finished chatting with Kalani in the locker room a few minutes ago, and in his words, uh, both Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney are in the process, as we speak, of trying to check boxes. He said if enough get checked, we might see him tonight. But it's it is, it is uh, it's more a game-time decision than it ever has been in the last few weeks at least. So uh, both are here, and both were on the field trying to get ready to play or get cleared to play. And clearing Gunnar is one thing. Clearing Puka is another thing. Because of the kinds of injuries they're dealing with, um, you know, I, I think if it were up to Gunner, he'd been on the field already. But they're waiting for specific medical clearance, but to to allow him to get out there. And with Puka, it's more of a traditional type of recovery to end. It's uh, it's it's pain tolerance and its effectiveness in cutting and all the things you might expect from a lower extremity injury. But. Both players will tonight literally be game time decisions. In fact, right now the process is ongoing in terms of who gets cleared and how uh, for tonight. So that's where it sits with those two. Uh, You're already down, of course, a tight end with uh, Dallin Holker leaving the program. So next man up becomes Ethan Erickson. Okay, Ethan Erickson, uh, Lane Lunt, and Carter Wheat would be tight ends three, four, and five if you want to go that deep. But Houston Haymouly might also be in the mix that way in terms of the role uh, that they might have that tight end occupy. But primarily, Ethan Erickson becomes the three, basically, at tight end. So Isaac Rex, Mason Wake, Ethan Erickson become the new tight end picking order uh, there without Dallin Holker. Uh, let's see. Running backs are fine. Quarterbacks are fine. Defensive line. Tyler Batty is back. Okay, so so Batty's back. That's good news. Uh, Earl tuio Mariner not back. And Gabe Summers is... Uh, He's, uh, as Kalani called him, game time, or I'll call him Gabe time. Uh, it's a Gabe time decision for Summers, um, so we may or may not see him. Uh, Caleb Hayes left the Oregon game, and I wouldn't count on Caleb starting tonight. I, I, I'd look to Gabe Judy Lowley to be the starter there, and I think between Gabe Judy Lowley, D. Lo Mandel, and Jacob Robinson... You've got three guys, for the four, uh, three guys for the two corner spots. Caleb Hayes may or may not be involved. Uh, Bamba may be in the mix. Roy Bamba may be in the mix if it got that deep. But I think you should look at those three guys occupying those two spots. Uh, that's where things more or less sit right now on the injury front. And, again, we won't know uh, more about Gunner and Puka until closer to game time.
3: I'm a bit surprised that you went with the pun on Gabe time because I thought there was an opportunity to possibly with Tyler Batty when you said he's back. To maybe Tyler is backy.
1: Mm. Didn't go there. Yeah. Okay. Um,
3: <laughs> I, I,
4: I, all of our fans here at Cougar Canyon yeah. really enjoying how the sausage is made. Yeah. With broadcasters and their yeah. puns. I, yeah. I, look, I it's thought there was easy. a chance. <laughs>
3: I thought there was a chance
4: that maybe he's backy.
1: There, there was one D-line pun for tonight, and, and <laughs> okay. it went with game time. Okay. So, yeah. Rightly, rightly, you take things So over.
4: Greg, uh, I, run game has been belabored. Aaron Roderick was adamant that. They got down early, and so it became a throw game last week, which yeah. accounted for the lack of production. But here you have a Wyoming team that held Air Force—you know, creme de la creme—forty points in every game. They hold them to fourteen points and limit their
1: rush production. Well, not not just limit half. the rush production; they were the number one rushing team in the country at five hundred, I think, five hundred five yards a game, coming into Wyoming. And they—they they run for a buck seventy-eight, which is like rushing for—you know. 78 if you're any other team uh, or less than that so that to me is the storyline is that now granted BYU's uh, run attack is not Air Force's run attack and you can specialize defensively for Air Force and execute a game plan that makes you go makes you look really good but if you hold Air Force to a buck 78 when they're averaging 500 plus yeah. you've got the guys to do it and, and even though the schemes are different you've got the guys and so for a BYU team that rushes for you know 60 and 80 yards a game these last two weeks taking on a, a Wyoming team that just held Air Force down like that, yeah, that's that's a major challenge. You're not just going to get better in the ground game because it's Wyoming. In fact, you've got to really earn your yards against Wyoming. So that, to me, becomes the the pregame storyline is can BYU establish what it wants to against a team that already showed they know how to uh, take care of business against the run.
3: I'm going to ask this question to Mitch in our next segment, but with four games about to be in the books, obviously three already, what has been your takeaway about this team early on?
1: Well, I thought through two weeks, uh, the the, the takeaway was that BYU could uh, win some games with defense this year, that they wouldn't have to necessarily be scoring in the 30s and 40s every week to have a shot. Um, And and the Oregon game didn't necessarily totally undo that, but exposed a couple things that I think BYU's defense needs to kind of reassert. And I do think, we'll go back to what we just talked about, that the the, the preseason storyline for BYU was all about the strength of the offensive line, with how many guys, and and lately, or at least the last two games. And granted, Oregon's front and Baylor's fronts are no slouches at all, but the pushness hasn't necessarily been there. Um, and and Chris Brooks showed in game one that he can be a really explosive back for you, but we've not seen that explosion from him either. So, I I think um, the storyline becomes uh, the two things we thought about this team early. Good ground game and up front push and great defense uh, kind of have to reassert themselves and prove that what happened in Eugene was more a fluke, more the outlier of the season and not anything to really be worried about. And then beyond that, one more thing, if I could, Jaron Hall's been just so, yes. so solid, yes. right? Very, but, but we're still waiting, at least I'm kind of still waiting for the consummate Jaron Hall game where he beats you in every way and, and makes the plays that, uh, you know, help you win a game. But I'm also cognizant of the fact that, you know, keeping Jaron Hall upright, And in the game is probably as important as anything else BYU will do this year. So I think I would sacrifice explosive runs and game-breaking plays for Jaron Hall being a 12- and 13-game starter and doing what he does so well.
3: Greg, uh, fantastic insight as always. Thank you for stopping by. Riley, we'll let you go as well. You guys have uh, some things to get done before we hear from you again in about 25 minutes. Appreciate the time as always.
1: Jeff, awesome being with you as always. Just and, remember uh, that
3: pun in case it comes uh, during the broadcast tonight. If you Tyler's, want to use
1: it, I'm giving you permission. Tyler's backy. backy. Uh, let's, yeah, 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 let's yeah. have
3: someone okay. throw out a Twitter poll before we <laughs> <laughs> memorialize it. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. All right, thanks, guys. It's Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars, and Riley Nelson. All right. Coming up on the other side, we will talk with Mitchell Juergens. But first, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. You're listening to BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU football on BYU Radio. tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now back to Jason Shepard.
3: Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. The Cougars getting ready to face the Wyoming Cowboys. I'm joined now by our sideline reporter Mitchell Juergens. He, he made a brief appearance about 10, 12 minutes ago, uh, but that was because we were talking about uh, the, he, and he said it, the greatest football play of his career. So we had to have him on since we were reliving the Boise State win back in 2015. Um, But uh, just for those that maybe uh, didn't hear that segment a little while ago, um, I, I asked you how many times people bring that up, and you said it's all the time. But it's one of those things like, look, you probably, I don't have any, if I did anything close, and I'm never going to be able to have the experience of having something as cool as that. Like what happened to you, but if it did happen to me, I would have zero problem. People bringing it up to me the rest of my life.
10: Yeah, no, it's it's one of those moments. Uh, I mean, it's it's getting less and less, right? Right after it happened, when I was still a player, people people still recognized me. I think uh, uh, you know, as 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 I've been a, or come a little bit further away from my playing days. Um, I mean, my last year was twenty sixteen. It's now been six years. Uh, no, wow. Is that yeah, twenty sixteen? That's six years since I've played. Um, it happens a little bit less, but it still—I mean—but it still happens. This um, this is year
3: seven since
10: this is yeah. This, this is your year, seventh
3: season not being a college football yeah, player.
10: Getting getting old, back's getting sore. Um, but uh, I, I mean, it's still you know when people associate my name to BYU, it's like oh, you were the one who made that catch. And I mean, it's it's definitely something that I, I, I don't take for granted. And. Um, it's uh, it's fun to be a small part of that history.
3: Look, when when they do the, 30, the BYU 30 for 30 on it, I'm going to love the insight that that was one of the twin moments and that was actually <laughs> Garrett making the catch and nobody knew. Who knows? No one will ever know. <laughs> Would you tell us if it was really Garrett? I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right, well, let's actually talk about the receivers that are on the roster right now. We just found out from Greg um, that, it's about as much of a game-time decision as you could possibly be a game-time decision. Uh, both pukunakua and Gunnar Romney are going through their warm-ups right now to make sure that they can check the box to be cleared to play. Um, we've seen what the offense can do without them, and there have obviously been guys stepping up. Chase Roberts comes to mind. Isaac Rex had a touchdown last week. You know, Cody Epps, the guy who I interviewed for pregame this week, he had his first touchdown. BYU has plenty of weapons still. But when you if you have an opportunity to get two players of that caliber back, what, what an addition in week four of the season for this offense.
10: Yeah, it'd be such an addition. I mean I was hoping that Greg would come with a little bit more definitive news, um and, and hopefully, you know, their warm ups go well and, and we can at least get um, those those two guys out there and, and it may not be and I would assume even if they do get cleared to play, they're probably not gonna be on the field every single play, they're right? they are be on a pitch count. The, absolutely. Yeah. They're going to be eased into it. Um, but bringing those guys back in the lineup um, for the BYU offense does a lot of things. I mean, these are two veterans that have been there and done that. They bring a level of leadership, um, of uh, just experience that the BYU offense – not much, or uh, from a skill position standpoint, other than Lopini Katoa, Mizarret um, has, has, you know, had a, had a really good season, but they don't have too much um, experience on that uh, uh, from the skill position. And so having those two guys in there provides, it can provide a lot of confidence as, as, you know, they look around and see them in the huddle and say, Hey, we can do this. They know, they've been there, they've done that. Um, and so that'll be, that could be a huge um, plus for them. Also, uh, I mean we saw Notre Dame play today. They played yeah. really well. Yes. Um, they put up forty five points. Um, I think it was you know close to close to six hundred yards of total offense. Um, the more the, the sooner we can get or BYU can get those uh, you know, Puka and Gunnar back on the field, they're gonna need some meaningful reps to get, you know, back in game shape. Um, and uh, and ready to contribute because that could be. I mean, you know, there's this week Wyoming, um, next week at Utah State. But as you look at those, those big games down the stretch, um, you really want those guys healthy, hundred percent. But also, um, not their first game back right. because you know first game jitters it, it exists. So it would it'd be great to see those guys if if we can see even just a little bit of them tonight.
3: Yeah, after the two games here at home, then you at. At Las Vegas, I mean, neutral site. Yep. I, I say that in quotations. I mean, it's going to be a home game for Notre Dame, and then you then you come back home for Arkansas. So you're right. You know, getting these guys a couple of games before you you hit those teams that on paper look to be a bigger challenge. I, I completely agree. So, all right, after tonight, BYU will be a third of the way through the season, which is kind of crazy to think. It, it's funny how you you go into this year and you look like in this you know the season you have 12 games and it's three three four months. And then, but you blink, and you're you're going to be a third of the way through after tonight. What what have been your takeaways of this team? Big picture.
10: Yeah, and you know, Greg stole the stole the words out of my mouth just uh, in the previous segment. But just how good Jaron Hall has been. Um, what, what's impressed me the most is he he really knows how to one command the offense. But. Protect the football. He makes really smart decisions. Um, he's, he doesn't ever look rushed out there or frantic, not knowing what to do. He's very calm, um, especially under pressure, and and he commands that offense with a level of leadership, respect, and um, he's just—I mean—he's a great athletic playmaker that knows how to navigate the offense really well. And so I think him, Aaron Roderick, they have a fabulous connection, um, and it's—I it, think this is only the beginning. I mean, we're seeing um, just how good Jaron Hall can be, and. And I'd love to see that continue. A um, couple other things. I mean, there. Yes, we went through basically. You know, because Puka went out game one yeah. in the first quarter. Um, we've played BYU's played three games without Puka and Gunner, and have done really well on the offensive side. So there's a lot of depth on the offense. Just adding those guys back. I mean, there's no there's no secret to just how good that the BYU offense can be. Uh, with with how many weapons they have. Um, And and the last thing uh, on the offensive side, um, the ground game, yes, we we heard Greg talk about it a little bit as well. They they were so dominant in their first week um, against USF. Um, since then though, it, it almost seems like a mentality change, uh, that needs to take place, uh, because, you know, to, to dominate a game physically, they have the talent, they've got the size, um, coming into the season. They were a, a, a very highly touted offensive line, a really good core group that can do it. I think it's, I think it's just a mentality change. They've got to get back on track, um, on the defensive side. Um, I've been very impressed with the cornerbacks, yeah. um, playing man coverage. They're doing a really good job. Um, hopefully we see, um, you know, Caleb Hayes, uh, I, I can't remember what Greg said about it. He may not start, but he could get in, um, having those guys healthy. I mean, they've played really good football as well as the linebackers. Um, you know, they're, they're just solid as can be. Max tuli has been really impressive. Um, and then the last thing, as far as, you know, we're third of the way through the season, um, special teams they, they need to pick it up, right? Um, we, we've seen just how influential, um, and important, special teams is as the offense and the defense Um, and so from you know put putting field goals through the uprights uh, but also uh, punt and coverage right those all need to be there that we haven't seen bou playing at their best on the special team side so uh, a couple areas of improvement there
3: okay this is me saying this to me tonight is a get right game I mean I'm not saying Wyoming isn't good we certainly know that they are they absolutely are a very good team but BYU is favored by three touchdowns for a reason okay What does getting right look like to you tonight for BYU?
10: Yeah, so um, number one, establish the line of scrimmage. And I I say that because on both sides of the ball, um, on the defensive side, Wyoming, their strength right now is the ground game. Um, Last week against Oregon, we didn't see um, the best from BYU stopping the run. And so I think to get right, we've got to figure out how to um, how to stop the run? They they average you know over 150 yards on the ground a game, which is you know above average. And so you know coming against a team that knows how to rush the football, um, this is one of the first steps for the defense. Uh, the other thing on the defensive side is um, forced turnovers. Um, I, I think this has been yes they've played you know pretty good football, but there's been there have been two interceptions, no forced fumbles. So in in three games, just two turnovers. Um, and you know I think this can be a huge um, a huge aspect of, the, uh, aspect of the game, if they can fix this, then BYU gets back on track. I think the offense can carry that momentum. And, and so those are big spark plays that, just, that we haven't had too much of um, just because of the lack of turnovers. Um, on the offensive side, uh, obviously establish the run. Uh, that needs to take place. But um, uh, touchdowns in the red zone. I think this is going to be big. Um, knowing how to finish, um, if it's not a touchdown, at least points. It, whoever's out there kicking, you know, get those, you know, put, feel confident putting those through the uprights. So those are two big things, I think, on of the offensive side. Just establish the run um, and and finish with points in the red zone.
3: I really hope there's an opportunity for the kicking game to get on track tonight. Look, if Jake Older, I think if he can just see one go in, even if it's a chip shot, I think that could mean a world of difference right now. And and I really hope he gets that opportunity tonight because everybody's pulling for Jake.
10: Well, absolutely. And, you know, as good as BYU's offense can be, You cannot go for it on fourth down every time. Right. Um, And we started to see that a little bit last week. They started to go for it more and more. And and you have to rely on the kicking game. Maybe not as much tonight, but if they can take advantage of it and and get that field goal um, unit back on track, then in the future, we've talked about some upcoming key games with Notre Dame, Arkansas. The kicking game is going to be very crucial in those. um, And and so what a a better time than tonight um, to to get that, that unit right.
3: Mitch, great stuff, man. Uh, By the way, nice choice of shirt tonight. Thank you. You and I chose. We knew we had to wear navy, but there's no, like, you have to wear this specific navy one. But you and I chose the same shirt, and, and, and which means we're on the same wavelength tonight. Yeah, there's, I like an, that.
10: there's a number of navy shirts out there too, so yes, absolutely. It was, it was a
3: slim, uh, slim percentage that yep. uh, we chose the right shirt. Look, it was meant to be. Yeah, just like Starman was. There we go. There we go. Mitchell Jergens, appreciate it, man. As always, have Thanks, fun Jason. on the sideline tonight. Yep, thank you. There we go. That's Mitchell Jergens coming up on the other side. Just how much does Wyoming coach Craig Bull know about the history between the Cougars and the Cowboys? That's next on Cougar Pregame Live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network.
0: You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Jason Shepard.
3: Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Getting you ready for BYU and Wyoming. Craig Boll has been the head coach in Laramie for nine seasons. This is year number nine for Coach Boll. He's tied for 10th. With Mike Leach and Mike Gundy, who's a man, he's 40, actually he's 55, that anniversary was this week, uh, for most wins by an active FBS coach. During his weekly media availability this week, Coach Boll discussed what he sees from this BYU team.
8: Their players play hard, uh, they play smart, they play physical, and they make plays and they're aggressive. And that's what you would think of a talented BYU football team. Hall, I think, is a great quarterback, very accurate. He can make all the throws. And so anytime you're facing a quarterback like that, that poses a big, big challenge. As always, they're big and uh, huge up front in the offensive line. A couple different type of backs. Brooks is a big guy, 230 pounds. And so they, they sprinkle the ball out to the different players, uh, some really good receivers. Uh, Defensively, they have great depth. They'll go in between a three-down look and a four-down look, which always poses problems offensively. The backers are downhill. Uh, They'll hit you in the mouth. They play a hard-nosed physical, and the secondary is very aggressive. So they are who they are, and it'll be a big, big challenge. Personally, I've not been to Provo before. I understand it's a pretty electric atmosphere, and uh, so – as a coaching staff and players, we're excited about playing. We're coming off a, a, a great win against Air Force, and our mantra around here is 1 and 0, get focused on the next team.
3: As we've touched on quite a bit, BYU versus Wyoming has been a long time series that's uh, featured some nastiness, and Coach Bowl was asked if his players today
8: are even aware of it. I think they know it's there, and I was not completely aware so much. When I got back, you know, heard some rumblings about it and different stories. And then when we played the bowl game, I was like, I went up to Kalani. and said, what is the deal? I mean, so it's on. You know, I know our fans embrace it and are excited about it. But, you know, I think it'd really be counterproductive for us to, to dwell on all that. They know it's a big game. It's going to be a nationally televised game. So there'll be a big, big audience. And it's a great opportunity for us.
3: After facing the option against Air Force, and obviously we've talked about the big, big win for the Cowboys, 17-14 over the Air Force Academy, and if you've obviously if you've ever watched Air Force, you know the the scheme that they run is the option. So their running totals are out. I mean, astronomical, and the fact that the Cowboy defense was able to hold them to a, a manageable amount on the ground is, is pretty remarkable. Uh, Coach Bowl talked about shifting gears from that to facing the Cougar offense this week.
8: Well, it's more kind of like traditional football. And the biggest thing is, is you know, you have an offense that truly is balanced. You have a quarterback who I think is exceptional, not only myself, but all the defensive coaches, and they can do so many different things. And so uh, it's more back into a normal game plan scheme. Last week, you know, we played three linebackers, and it was a all-option. It was basically zero coverage in the secondary, and we won't have that type of scheme this week.
3: The Cowboys are averaging 164 yards per game on the ground. Uh, they're led by Titus Swin, but there's also DeWyan McNeely. It's given Wyoming uh, d- the. It's given Wyoming a running back duo that Coach Bowl says he
8: is really... Anytime you can have two tailbacks that see the field slightly different and their running style is different, even though the plays are the same. What it does is a backer, you're trying to fit in where you're supposed to fit. You're beating off of where that back and where his cuts are, so you get acclimated to how Titus is running, how Titus is going, and then DeWine comes in and it's a different feel. the The one-two punch that you brought up is very accurate, You saw us use that during the course of the game. And uh, both those two guys were very effective. And we'll need to have, we're going to need to have those guys in the house uh, over in Provo.
3: The Cowboys enter the season as one of the youngest teams in college football. In fact, Wyoming is number one among FBS teams in terms of the largest percentage of its roster who were underclassmen. And Coach Bowl thinks this is just the beginning for this team.
8: There's a, a long runway out there in front of some of these guys, and they have not topped out, and they want to be really good. Our job is to to show them how good they can be and how to get there, but some of them have a long runway. They've got uh, some really, really great potential. This team is emotionally invested in Wyoming. Uh, They're buying into the culture of who we are, the fabric of who we are. They're embracing some of our traditions. You know, when you have that kind of emotional buy-in, that can that can be a, a really, really a great ace in the hole to pull out. And these guys, have they've been really fun to coach.
3: Right, that was Wyoming head coach Craig Bowl this week talking about tonight's matchup between the Cougars and the Cowboys. When we come back, wrapping up Cougar Pregame Live, we are outside at Cougar Canyon. It's 19th-ranked BYU hosting Wyoming. We'll have one final segment. When we return, this is Cougar Pre-Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Jason Shepard.
3: Final segment of Cougar Pregame Live. We'll send things upstairs coming up in just a few minutes. Let's update you on some finals earlier today. In top 25 college football, Georgia taking down Kent State, 39-22. Bit of, uh, of an unexpected final score uh, from what we're used to seeing with the Georgia Bulldogs. Fourth-ranked Michigan over Maryland, 34-27. Number five, Clemson. Getting the win over 1st ranked Wake Forest, 51-47. That's a final in double overtime. 33-14 the score. 14th-ranked Penn State over Central Michigan. Number 17, Baylor over Iowa State, 31-24. Texas Tech rallies and takes down number 22, Texas, 37-34. And one other game uh, that is a final that uh, Cougar fans probably paying attention to. It was a rally by the Oregon Ducks, but they win at Washington State, 44-41. All right, coming up next. It's the Zion's Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU Football on the New Skin BYU Sports Network.
0: Cougar Pregame Live was brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over thirty years. This is BYU Football on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. It's time to preview today's matchup with head coach Kalani Sataki. It's the Cougar pregame coaches show presented by Zion's bank for big time banking with a home team feel. Zion's bank is for you. The pregame coaches show is also brought to you by big O tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated big O tires. The team you trust. Let's rejoin Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars. Greg Rubel.
1: Good evening, Cougar football fans. And on this first Saturday of fall, welcome back inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the beautiful BYU campus in Provo, Utah, as tonight. It's an old conference rivalry renewed. The 19th and 23rd ranked BYU Cougars hosting the Wyoming Cowboys. The Pokes playing in Provo for the first time since 2010 with BYU playing for a 10th straight home win over their border neighbors from Laramie. The Cougars last lost to Wyoming here back in 1987. I am your play-by-play presenter, Greg Rubel. With me is the former BYU quarterback, the sling and scrambling southpaw himself, Mr. Riley Nelson. And Riley, you were on the 2010 BYU team that was the last one to play host to the Cowboys here at home. Now, you were injured early in that year, didn't get to play in that game. But the year before, you were part of the last BYU team to play in Laramie. You came in the game in relief of Max Hall, he ran 10 times for 71 yards, a robust 7.1 yards per carry. I can figure that out. And you had the final touchdown in BYU's 52-0 shutout of the Cowboys. So you've had a taste of this old rivalry, and you know how much it means for Wyoming, to particularly back on BYU's schedule after a big win over Air Force last week. The Pokes would relish the opportunity to take down BYU in Provo for the first time in 35 years
4: it is a rivalry that uh, a lot of the cowboys and cowboy fans care a lot about such that a little anecdote from that 2009 game all right they've since remodeled the stadium but and you are not as a player you're accustomed to pretty dire circumstances as far as a visiting stadium locker room goes right and wyoming actually wasn't the worst the old colorado state locker room was the absolute worst but fans have probably heard these stories right toilets just in the wall with no stalls of course no hot water <laughs> one working shower, but the thing I'll always remember from that is they had a partition in the visitor's locker room, and it had a sign on it that said, under construction, right? I mean, this was unquestionably tight. Like, guys were, uh, we were close as teammates, but that was too close, right, (laughs) just physically. Anyway, I remember peering around these partitions to this supposed construction area, and it was just... An extension of the locker room that was sitting empty for that game, so you wonder if it was a little, you know, subtle psychological mind games to take an already small and cramped and dingy locker room and make it even smaller. Anyway, it didn't matter that day. Uh, Max and crew, and I, it was fun for me to. Those were my first snaps as a Cougar, uh, so good memories, and hopefully we can continue the good streak of luck against the Wyoming Cowboys here tonight.
1: Do you remember your touchdown run? What was the play?
4: I did. It was so. I uh, about that. I uh, of those ten rushes, three were actually passing. Uh, but I, I wasn't about to throw an interception in some of my first snaps and my first impression of BYU Nation. So if it wasn't a clean look, which I didn't have a clean look, I just tucked it down and run. And after the first couple, you know, normally in a blowout you hand the ball off. But Coach I says, well, if you're not going to throw it when I call a throw from you, then I'm going to run you. So <laughs> it was a draw. I ran. I, he, I got uh, seven draw plays called for me and three pass plays and uh, the, the looks were not clean so I pulled it <laughs> down and uh, you know 70 yards and a quarter actually was a clear cool yeah. ride for me so pretty good day of work
1: I love it uh, coming up next we hear from BYU head coach Kalani Sitake and get a game time update on who's in and who's out as the Cougs again battle the early season injury bug that's straight ahead as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues for big time banking with a home team feel Zions Bank is for you My pregame conversation with Kalani is coming up next on the New Skin BYU Sports Network.
0: The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show continues. Once again, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel
1: from LaBelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. The BYU Cougars try tonight to play for a fourth straight home win and a tenth consecutive home win over Wyoming. The Cougs coming in 2-1, Wyoming 3-1. Pokes have won three straight after taking a season-opening L at Illinois during Week 0. BYU's in bounce-back mode after a loss at Oregon last Saturday. Time now for my pregame conversation with Kalani, brought to you by Zions Bank. For big-time banking with a home team feel, Zions Bank is for you. And tonight, the Cooks head coach talks about the chance to turn the page after Eugene and start to write a new chapter of this season as a two-game homestand starts. To-
6: I felt really good about the, the team, the preparation, and I like their mindset right now going into the pregame. Um, you know, I, I feel like we're ready to roll. and. and uh, uh, it's good to be home, you know, but um, you know, when it comes down to you look at college football, what's happening over, you know, you know what's happened earlier today and going on right now, that, that uh, the teams that are prepared and, and the teams that show up and, and, and sustain consistency, energy and effort are the ones that come out victorious, so, uh, we, you know, we, we need to do our best to make sure that we're in a good position and then, um, I think, I know the guys had a sour taste from last week and they want to get moving and there's a sense of urgency to get this game started.
1: How much of what you saw in your last game were Fixable errors and not systemic things like, ah, that's going to be a problem this year.
6: Yeah, it's all fixable. I mean, we have the right players, we have the depth, we have a lot of talent. It's just a matter of of everybody, you know, doing things uh, assignment sound with the proper technique, and then for us coaches to call the right plays to get them in in a position that, uh, utilize their strength so that's in all three phases so overall as a program we all need to do better tonight and that's with me coaches players uh you know sideline energy all that stuff needs to be ramped up and they're looking forward to getting this thing going
1: what kind of an opponent is wyoming
6: yeah wyoming's very tough i mean you look at their head coach this is he's had uh national championships that he's won in then fcs level at north dakota state and uh, he's established a, a, a tough uh a program that that you know prides himself on on being physical, and so um, there's an opportunity for us that that's that's speaking my language, so here we go. You know, and I think the guys are excited for it.
1: Beating Air Force, a pretty good Air Force team gets your attention, doesn't it?
6: Oh, yeah. And then that's in the way they did it. You know, they, they uh, were able to stu- stuff Air Force's run game, and uh, they showed a lot of physical play. And so uh, they, they have a lot to be proud of in, in, in their season so far. We, we have them here at home, and so it's an opportunity for us to, to you know, get, get some things fixed from last, last week and to make sure that we play our best uh, all season. We haven't done it yet, so looking forward to playing our best. this this week tonight.
1: Wyoming was so good against Air Force on the ground, and that's where you're trying to get better is in the run game.
6: Yeah, I mean, they they want to run the game and run the ball, and I think if we can uh, keep them away from keeping some balance, that would help us out. But, uh, you know, we we feel good about our scheme. We feel good about the the things that we can practice all week. So uh, when it comes down to it, it will be the fundamentals again, us tackling well, uh, getting off blocks, and then on the offense side, uh, finishing drives, playing assignments on football, and then then leaning on the physical play. They want to be physical, so let's do it. Let's match it.
1: On the offensive side, one of the storylines week to week has been who's going to catch uh, balls from Jaron Hall. Uh, Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua. Let's start there. Are they getting on the field during the week, and what's their status for tonight?
6: Well, they're on the field right now trying to go through the, the protocol, and so hopefully, uh, you know, we knew this was going to be a game-time decision, so I hope they, they uh, you know, check all the boxes for that our, that our medical team is looking for, and then they'll be able to participate. If not, then we got to move on, and then the other guys that have done well in practice. They've practiced all week, so hope, hopefully uh, we can get them. But if not, well, our, we have capable guys that can make it work.
1: You're also moving on from uh, from tight end, uh, from a tight end leaving in, in Dallin Holker. What does his loss mean to uh, the pass attack that you've got going right now?
6: Yeah, we, we love Dallin for all the things that he's done for our program. We wish him the best uh, in, in, in his future. Right now, we're focused on the guys that we have right now playing with us, and that, that's going to uh, we're going to lean heavily on Isaac Rex and Mason Wake and Ethan Erickson and. Hugh Houston Haymouly, um Lane Lunt, Carter Wheat. Uh, you know, there's a lot of names there, but mm-hmm. uh, guys that, that are capable of making plays, and, and I think they're excited for the opportunity.
1: Defensively, you get a, a key a piece back, and uh, Tyler Batty looks ready to go. Is that right?
6: Yeah, we missed our, our, our leader on the line of scrimmage, and so we, we need him back, and, and uh, his presence uh, is needed. It, more than just what he does physically in, in the game, it's just things that he does with so the setup and the experience that he brings to the table. So uh, it's good to have Batty back and, and, and going again.
1: No Earl uh, to T Mariner yet this week, and you're hopeful for Gabe Summers. Is that accurate?
6: Yeah, yeah, and and we were hoping that Earl Earl came back and and, uh, and unfortunately had had an injury in, in practice, and so uh, we feel like he's going to be ready for Utah State, and then Gabe Summers is, is game time decision. So here we go. <laughs>
1: right. What will it feel like to to look out there and see the old uh, the old cowboy logo on helmets across the field and on the field tonight? Yeah, it's
6: kind of fun. I mean, driving in on the bus as you saw that some of their fans out there, and it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I, for for me. And, and I'm sure as you, just growing up, BYU fan, that that, that brings back memories. And so uh, I'm glad they're here with us tonight. And and I'm looking forward to making some memories. So it'll be a lot of fun.
1: And you don't mind knowing that you've won uh, 12 straight night home games and 11 straight night games overall. Nighttime is the right time for you and for BYU. Hey, let's
6: keep it late then. Fine fine with me. So, uh, you know, we, we're, we're, we're just excited to play the game. Right. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of energy coming from the fans. You can feel it already from Cougar walk. So uh, I think the guys are – they're ready. I think the, the, they, they want to uh, do better than last week, and they want to entertain the fans, and it's good to be home for that.
1: Kalani, thank you for the time. Great pregame preview. We'll talk to you postgame. Thank you.
6: Here we go. Go Cougs. Thanks.
1: That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, and this has been the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show, the new Tricost Cougar kickoff show. A special guest, BYU AD Tom Holmo joining us is coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show continues. Once again, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel.
1: Once again, good evening, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Lavelle Edward Stadium for another late Saturday night kickoff. The BYU Cougars and Wyoming Cowboys for the 79th time all-time. First time since BYU left the Mountain West Conference in 2011. It's been uh, 12 years since Wyoming last played here and six seasons since these teams' last meeting in the 2016 Poinsettia Bowl, a game won by BYU in rainy San Diego over the Josh Allen-led Cowboys. This is the NutraCost Cougar Kickoff Show presented by NutraCost the official supplement provider of BYU Athletics, Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson with you in the broadcast booth, former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens joining us from field level and in the Zions Bank end zone for big-time banking with a home team feel, Zions Bank is for you. Our Cougar Canyon and scoreboard host is Jason Shepard, our booth engineers Michael Wimmer and Clark Jackman, studio and Cougar Canyon engineer Barry Squires, spotter McKay Perry, coordinating producer Terry South, statistician Ralph Sokolowski, control board operators Corbin Radford, Adam Woodall, Broadcast interns, Jared Call here at the stadium, and Colton Potter at BYU Radio. Great to have you with us on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Our satellite flagship, BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Our Salt Lake City over the air flagship is KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Well, the last time that Wyoming won a football game in Provo, Tom Homo was in his fifth season as a player with the San Francisco 49ers. It was 1987. And the Niners were on their way to an NFC West division title. Wyoming was on its way to an outright WAC championship. And BYU was headed for a 9-4 season and a bull bit. 35 years later, Tom Holmo is in his 17th season as BYU's AD. A tenure that has taken BYU from the Mountain West to the WCC and football independence. And now to the Big 12. As we welcome Tom Holmo to the broadcast booth for a few minutes. in the build up to BYU and Wyoming. Tom, always good to have you up here. It's great
2: to be here. Game night. Can't wait to get going. So, a
1: renewed rivalry with Wyoming. And BYU's played a lot of Mountain West teams during Independence. Wyoming, of course, you had them in the bowl game, but on a regular season schedule, it's been a while.
2: Yeah, there was a few schools that didn't quite want to play us when we went independent, when we broke away from the Mountain West Conference. But Tom Berman, their athletic director, and I are friends, and he was there when we left. And we were just grateful to Tom and the rest of Wyoming, Coach Bull, that we were able to get this game on the schedule it's a home and home so we're going back to Wyoming soon in
1: 2024 right yes and so as you go to an abbreviated uh, non-conference schedule just three games a year you're going to keep this one on the schedule in yes two years. we are
2: it's a, it's a good game I, I like the interstate uh, region rivalry old uh, conference foes and it's just a game that I think we should be playing
1: and Wyoming week this year has added significance because of the commemoration of the Black 14, and I'm sure a lot of fans have become familiar with the story. And you'll be leaving our booth here in a few moments to head down on the field level to be part of the Y-lighting ceremony that will include two members of the Black 14, and Mel Hamilton and John Griffin. They've been on campus most of the week. The documentary about their story premiered on campus, and it's been a special week for them and both schools. It's
2: quite the story. Uh, I think a lot of people know the beginning of the story that goes back to 69 where there's a lot of pain and anguish and, and suffering. But I think a lot of people don't realize this part of it where we are right now, where Elder Giff Nielsen of the 70 for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints got together with Mel and they said, how do we heal? Let's make this happen. And uh, Mel said, let's bring some food to the communities of the Black 14 members. And so with humanitarian aid from the church, it's been a beautiful um, combination of love. And looking forward and rehabilitating tough times. And now we got a lot of love going. And it's so great to have them, Mel and John, here tonight representing all the Black 14 and working together here against BYU versus Wyoming. Unbelievable story.
4: Yeah, Tom, so a lot of times I wish that uh, people had the opportunity that you and I had to be part of locker rooms where, I mean, they were th- there was that cohesiveness and none of the stuff that plays itself out in general society is is there. So I appreciate the work that you've done and, of course, uh, all the leadership that's gone into this. One thing before we get off Wyoming into maybe some future plans uh, where you're taking the program is uh, – what was your record? Take us back to your playing days. What was your record? Did Wyoming put a squad together one year, or did, did you guys pretty much handle business?
2: You know, it's interesting. We went to uh, Wyoming one year when Mark Wilson was the quarterback, and I'm from L.A. I'm from sunny Southern California. I went to bed, looked out my window. It was kind of nice. It was kind of cold and laramie, and I woke up, and there was a foot of snow on the ground, and we had mesh shoes, and my feet were freezing cold during the game, and Mark, I think it was. I think we scored sixty three on them. Yeah. I think it was the yet next year, or the year after. McMahon's the quarterback. We're back in Laramie, and they beat us. They had a great running attack, and they would start running and throwing. It was kind of a little early RPO, (laughs) and they beat us fair and square, and they were good competitive teams back then, and this is going to be a competitive game tonight.
1: Well, a year from now, if BYU looks out there and sees uh, Cowboys on the helmet, it'll be the Oklahoma State Cowboys, (laughs) not the Wyoming Cowboys. Yes, I think
2: so. That could be true.
1: (laughs) So that gets us thinking about things like a Big 12 football schedule release. Uh, How soon is that in the offing, do you think?
2: Well, we're getting together um, in early October – because that's about the time when we have to solidify. I think we're all waiting in the Big 12 to see kind of what's going to happen with Texas and Oklahoma, and are there going to be any other teams that might be part of the mix. But uh, there will come a drop-dead date where we have to make a decision on how we go, and then that schedule will come out uh, shortly thereafter.
1: Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark was in this venue a couple weeks ago. He had a good visit. Uh, How was it for him to see what you have to offer?
2: I think Brett Yormark loves college football. He hasn't really been a part of it. He's kind of a basketball guy with the Nets and the Barclays Center. But as he made his tour through the Big 12 schools, he's on fire. He sees how much energy and how much attention is paid to these College football stadiums and the teams and the fans and everything, and he's on fire, and I think he's going to do a great job for us.
4: Tom, how much time have you spent with Coach Sataki specifically? And and of course, it's all of your head coaches, but specifically for this football program, uh, Down Hoker, of course, announced their transfer, which it got a lot of news because it's been such a rare occurrence. It's quite common across the other landscape, but what Kalani has built uh, in in conjunction with the leadership, you and and the leadership in the athletic department, has made it that you know transfers we hardly ever hear about him do you see that as something that's going to be a growing challenge as BYU recruits better players and has more depth and position rooms get more crowded or do you think the momentum you've already built around Kalani Sitaki and just who he is as a person in this program will keep BYU as one of those teams uh, that's really low on the number of transfers you
2: know that's a really good question because I feel that's not really a challenge To Kalani. I think it's an opportunity. And as we go forward, everybody just has to realize the transfer portal is part of college football these days. So we're going to get a strong number of people that are going to be wanting to come to BYU. And Cougar fans, listen, there's going to be a few people from BYU that are going to leave for greener pastures or a better opportunity. And I'm actually a believer that. That's the way it should be. You know, and I think that all of our coaches are gonna have to do everything they can to try to make it work. But there's eleven guys on the field at one time. And you know, Riley, when I say eleven at one time, there's not a lot outside of the eleven that are going to get into the game on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. So this is a time right now we're going to see a little bit of movement, and every coach and every team and every sport is just going to have to do their best to keep that culture strong.
1: Have to let you get down to get down to the Weilliter ceremony. So the final thing for you, Tom, is BYU in 2022. What do you see for this Kalani Sitake-led football program? Well, hey, this
2: is a transition year because we're looking ahead to the Big 12. But I've told every one of our coaches, and especially – um, football. This is a year that we got to keep our focus on the now. Every single game counts because we don't want to go limping in to the w- to the Big 12. We want to be able to make every game count. And I think Kalani's got his. Uh, thumb on the pulse of these players. We slipped a little bit last week, but this is a night where we're going to get it back.
1: Tom, thanks for your time. Have a great night. Go kooks. Thanks, guys. Alright, that is Tom Homo. We'll have more of the NutraCost Cougar Kickoff Show straight ahead. But before the break, we remind you to go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. The NutraCost Cougar Kickoff Show continues after this live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: The Cougar Kickoff Show continues. Let's head back to the Built Bar Broadcast booth with Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubell. All
1: right, so welcome back to the NutraCost Cougar Kickoff Show. Greg Rubell and Riley Nelson with you. It is BYU and Wyoming tonight. Kalani Sitake called the last week's 41-20 loss at Oregon a missed opportunity. Instead of jumping into the New Year's Six conversation, BYU fell back in the polls to 19th and 23rd in the two top 25s, but the Cougars remain ranked, could still get back into the primetime postseason picture. There are some big names and big games still on the schedule, but nothing ahead will matter as much without a win over Wyoming. Uh, Riley, we'll learn a great deal more about this BYU team even tonight. Yes, the Cougars are three touchdown favorites. But they've had to shake off a loss while Wyoming is as confident a team as can be coming off a big win over a really good Air Force team.
4: And it was a loss where like the way that they lost left a bad taste in the team's mouth. It's reminiscent for me of the bowl game. Granted, you had an entire offseason between the bowl game and their performance against USF. But that's something that's a pattern that I hope manifests itself tonight. They had a very disappointing loss. They lost in a manner in which uh, you know, everybody was really hanging their heads after that game. But Kalani has shown that he's been able to take that disappointment, use it as motivation to really get on the stick and come out and play really well in subsequent weeks. And uh, hopefully that's the product we see here tonight.
1: Well, for the last three weeks, uh, the pregame storyline for BYU centered on missing players, specifically Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney. Both Puka and Gunnar were out for earlier pregame warm-ups, but in the intermediate and most recent pregame warm-ups It was Puka, yes, and Gunner, no. So uh, Gunner Romney uh, is in sweats tonight. Is that right, Riley?
4: Correct, yeah. They had him up on the Jumbotron while the team is out doing their warm-ups, talking to Max Hall, of all people, who's uh, in the stadium here tonight on the sideline. So
1: Gunner is not cleared and not in uniform. Uh, Puka Nakua has gone through pregame and continues to be out there in uniform. So uh, just how close he is to full fitness, we'll find out. So we may or may not see... Gunner, we may or may not see Puka Nakua. Uh, we will definitely not see uh, Gunnar Romney. And we certainly will not see uh, Dallin Holker, who has left the program. So, uh, man, it's been a long wait uh, to get BYU at full strength in the receiving core. And, and if you consider Holker to be uh, obviously a permanent casualty, they won't be at full strength this year that way. Uh, you could argue that coming into the year, Riley, the top four receiving weapons would have been... Uh, Nakua, Romney, Rex, and Holker, you could argue. I mean, you could throw another wide receiver if you wanted to in there, but primarily you could say those were four of your top options. Well, only one has been playing for BYU every week.
4: And just the way, the, the flow of games, BYU's been, it's been strange, kind of the rhythms that we've gone through there. Uh, tight ends had targets in the first half with no targets in the second half of USF. Now, a lot of that was big lead and running the ball and some of that stuff. And then against Baylor, they just, I mean, everything was tough, right? Nobody was, nothing was coming easy. And so not a lot of balls were going down its way. And then, of course, Oregon, they got down so quick. And, and kind of the possession type passing offense was uh, not in the play which down Holker plays a big role in. So, you know, he. he everyone gets a chance to judge their circumstances uh, on their own and, and do what's best for them. Felt like he wasn't getting enough targets or featured enough in the offense, and so he's uh, making the move. But that said, uh, I, I'm really interested to see what – here's what I know about Wyoming. They commit – at least the same number of offensive players to the box. And most of the time, they have an extra defensive player. In other words, they play man coverage. Uh, they don't leave guys hanging back in zone. They will sell out to stop the run, betting that teams won't have the skill to beat them by the pa- or by passing alone. Uh, Jaron Hall and company, obviously, are not your average uh, team that you're playing against. So uh, interesting to see what happens tonight.
1: Okay, it's BYU in Wyoming here at Lovellburg Stadium. BYU has won the last 8 meetings, 11 of the last 12, 17 of the last 19 get together. Their last contest was in the 2016 Poinsettia Bowl. BYU won that game 24-21, to but this is their first meeting since BYU departed the Mountain West Conference for Football Independence back in 2011. That actually shows up on the regular season schedule, so a scheduled game that Tom Holmo has, and it comes tonight. Well, tonight's game is a chance for BYU to uh, rediscover. It's a dormant ground game. After running for more than 300 yards in that season opening win at USF, BYU's been held to an average of 75 rush yards per game against Baylor and Oregon. And yes, those P5 programs have solid defensive fronts, but Wyoming is is certainly uh, you know, right there in terms of a rush defense based on what they did to Air Force last week. The Falcons have been averaging more than 500 rushing yards per game and Wyoming held the Cadets to fewer than 200 on the ground last Friday in Laramie. If BYU gets back on track on the ground tonight, Riley, they will truly have earned it because Wyoming looked pretty good against the ground game last week.
4: They do. And anytime you're dealing with a team that strategically gives themselves a numbers advantage in the run game, you... It, uh, traditional knowledge is you get the quarterback involved because the quarterback gives you an extra blocker and it evens up your numbers. Now, now they don't have an extra unblocked defender. Now you have a blocker for there because your ball carrier is now your quarterback. Be interesting to see. We talked about this with Shep uh, when we were down in Cougar Canyon, Greg. Uh, Jaron's health is the primary concern for, I think, this offensive staff. But When you can't hardly muster two and a half yards per carry, and the foundation of this offense, at least in the last four years, has been its ability to establish a ground game, you wonder if they do something like get Jaron involved to give it a little spark.
1: Yeah, a big part of BYU's ground game last season and back in 2019 when he was starting for a spell was the rushing of quarterback Jaron Hall. So far this season, he's been pretty well contained. His long run is only 13 yards. That's a surprising number right there, um, that he hasn't broken one. Uh, and he's averaging about three yards per rush compared to the six or seven yards per rush from his previous two seasons as a starter. And, Riley, it is a fine line that BYU walks, and you're well acquainted with it as a running quarterback yourself. You need Jaron Hall healthy, but when he does get loose, he can break a game open.
4: It's, and this will be a matchup of two quarterbacks who can do that. Andrew Peasley on the Wyoming side is... He has multiple runs in his collegiate career. These happen at Utah State of seventy yards or more, including his season. He has the season-long rush for the Wyoming Cowboys at thirty-seven yards. He's one who, when he gets out in the open field, he can be very dangerous, just like we've seen historically from Jaron Hall. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, my uh, kind of style as a player. All the injuries that I battled through, interestingly enough, all happened in the pocket. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, um, with the exception of one, one... the
1: Weber State game, you were on the run. that one that, right
4: that was that, that was the one that was the one but the ribs the finger the shoulder all of those were in the pocket and and that Weber State one was and this is where I was going to lead with Jaron the game was well in hand I normally you know I was very I was known for my physical running style I used to finish runs to me that's how I knew how to protect myself right I would throw my momentum into the defender and keep them off guard so that I wasn't you know exposed to take a shot well against Weber State I tried to protect myself and get down, and sure enough, as I was slowing down trying to get to the ground, a linebacker comes, and right before my knee gets on the ground, puts his crown of his helmet right in my back to finish me off, to finish off the tackle, and boom, you know, three three broken bones in the vertebrae. So I've seen that a little bit from Jaron. Like, if he's going to run, he needs to be all out. He can't be tentative. He can't be trying to get to the gun. He can't be running not to get hurt. He needs to just say, hey, I'm one of the best athletes on the field. I've got the speed. I've got the lateral quickness. I'm going to go out and be a real a weapon if he can do that it'll be really good but if he but if they're kind of forcing him and he doesn't embrace his role as a running quarterback it's better off that they don't use him and find other ways to get production in the ground game
1: time now for tonight's hyatt place comfort zone feature at hyatt place provo your safety and comfort will always be our highest priority and right now he's looking to get a little more comfortable in the red zone the Cougars are 9-for-13 in the red zone through three games. Well, what does that really matter? That's, that, that's four red zone misses in 13 tries. But those four red zone misses equal the number of red zone failures for the entire 2021 season. BYU last year, when you take away two possessions in which BYU had the ball to end the game inside the 20, they weren't trying to score. If you take those two possessions away last year, BYU went 49-for-53 Inside the 20 over 13 games. So four red zone misses for a year. And BYU's already at four red zone misses through three games. BYU last year ranked in the top 25 and top 10 in red zone scoring and then red zone touchdown percentage in each of the last two seasons. And now those rankings right now, it's early, smaller sample size, but BYU ranks in the sub-100s right now in red zone scoring and red zone touchdown percentage. Riley, there's some work to be done when the Cougars get themselves into scoring territory because either whether it's Jeff Grimes or Aaron Roderick, in 2020 and 2021, BYU was nails when they got inside the 20.
4: Greg, all I heard you say, if, uh, if I was following, is that BYU's about to go on a 40-for-40 for 40 run Sounds in the red like zone. it, right? Yeah, to it's match production last year. Of last yeah. year. No, I, it's been... Uh, It's been really interesting. Missed field goals have been uh, part of that contribution. And, um, yeah, it just seems that this team, and, again, When you get down into the red zone and you can't, they have not been able to prove that they can run the ball in tough spots, right? The lineup, the defense knows you're running. Everybody in the stadium knows that you're running because it's second and eight uh, from the 18, but you can still run and go get six and set yourself up for a third and short where the entire playbook opens itself up to you, right? They've been unable to deliver in those situations. We'll see if they can't find some footing and some rhythm and get some of that mojo back here tonight.
1: We're back with more of the new Tricost Cougar Kickoff Show live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: Getting you geared up for game time, this is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now, back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel.
1: It is BYU wyoming coming up game one of a two-game home set for the cougs it'll be a short week next week utah state here at Lavelle edward stadium next thursday night then some extra prep uh, for byu ahead of its meeting with notre dame in las vegas on october 8th then back here on uh, the 15th of october arkansas top 10 arkansas so a couple former mountain west teams followed by two national names in Notre Dame and Arkansas coming up. Well, before the break, we talked about BYU's current red zone struggles. And uh, as Riley noted, uh, missed kicks are part of the equation there. BYU has missed two field goal tries after getting inside the 20. Jake Oldroyd is now four of seven on the season with three straight misses. And they've been left hash, middle, and right hash. All have been shorter than 40 yards. And his misses... According to Ed Lamb, at least earlier in the week, uh, technically opened up the place-kicking competition, but Jake is expected to retain that role. Uh, Nothing happened during the week to, uh, to change things, so look for Jake when BYU gets a chance for field goals and PATs. So nothing's really changed there. But in his 2020 campaign, the COVID year, he did not miss a field goal. 13 for 13. Since then, since going 13 for 13, he's 13 for 20. And now he's in a slump. Three straight misses will mess with your head if you're a kicker.
4: And that's what I think it is, Greg. You wonder, because he's had some injury struggles. Uh, lower back injuries and some other things, but he's still doing kickoffs and he's still routinely putting the ball through the back of the end zone, which lets you know that he still ha- all the power, all the physical tools are still there. Something's just happening, and it's not going to be the first time we've seen this with a kicker. You see it with a lot of the fine skill sports, you know, whether it's golf or maybe tennis, where they, they just can't, they're just not making the same contact. They're out of rhythm, and then they start worrying about it, and then you know their their mind gets uh, gets running away from them. Uh, So hopefully he's been doing some work, not just on the field, but, you know, on his mind. And that's not a bad thing, right? Every player should be tuning up their mind and their psychological approach just the same way they tune up their body and their mechanics and their technique. So hopefully he's been doing that that from his foot to his head. He's been working on it all and can get some of his rhythm back.
1: On the bright side, uh, Jake Oldroyd has made 51 consecutive PATs, and he already owns the school record for consecutive PATs. He's fourth all-time in BYU field goals made, sixth all-time in field goal percentage. So Jake ranks very highly on some uh, career marks that he could uh, very come close to owning uh, with another season and a half and then some of work at BYU. Well, uh, Jake Oldroyd and punter Ryan Rico both were preseason honors candidates. And while Oldroyd is trying to find his range, Ryan Rico is looking to make more solid contact on eight punts. He's averaging under 40 yards per punt. And the way we saw him kick the ball over the last two years, 39.9 yards per punt is kind of a surprising number. Understanding that some punts go shorter by design when you're punt and pin short field. His boomers should compensate for any of those kind of punt and pin efforts. And we've yet to see the trademark Rico Rockets on display. His long punt this year is only 48 yards, and he has a massive leg.
4: Ryan is another one. I... Something was going on in that specialist room, right, between the long snapper, the punter, and the field goal kicker. The, these guys, uh, you know, need to be able to find their rhythm. You did, t- you do talk about run. I don't think – I cannot think, and I should have looked this up pregame, I cannot think of many punts for, that are coming deep from – in his own territory right so a lot of his punts are happening around the middle of the field and you know one goes into the touchback it takes your net yards out you've already addressed this Greg but yeah if BYU especially facing a staunch run defense like tonight I unless they can turn it into a track meet they're going to field position will play a big element in this game and you need Ryan Rico to be on his if you're going to have success
1: as we head to break. Time now for tonight's Player to Watch, brought to you by VidAngel. Skip offensive content in movies and shows when you watch with VidAngel. Learn more at vidangel.com. And, Riley, who's your player to watch in tonight's game against Wyoming?
4: Pukunakua. I mean, he started off the season with a bang, and then it seems like almost just as quick he was out with an ankle injury after being tackled on a fly sweep. So he was – looks like he was good to go. Now, Kalani did say pregame. He was a game-time decision, but he made it through the entirety of warm-ups and – Hopefully he can add an explosive component to this BYU offense that has been somewhat bottled up the last two weeks.
1: All right, coming up, we'll head down to field level. we we'll hear from Mitchell Juergens as our pregame coverage continues. It is the new cost Cougar kickoff show. It's live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
0: This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All
1: right, to BYU and Wyoming straight ahead. BYU leads the all-time series with the Pokes, 45-20 with three ties uh, here in Provo. A uh, 45-30, I should say, with three ties uh, here in Provo. BYU 27 the last meeting here was a 25-20 BYU win back in 2010 as we noted earlier Uh, That was a season in which Riley Nelson gets hurt early in the year didn't get to play in that Wyoming game in 2010 we're only three games into the season, but the season is already over for BYU a former BYU tight end now we should say Talon Holker who just last Saturday was leading BYU in receptions at Oregon. And no one had more catches than Dallin Holker, and he was tied for third on the team in catches. He was leading all non-wide receivers in receptions when he announced through his dad that he was leaving the BYU football team and uh, entering the transfer portal at some point. At the time of his departure, as I note, he was third in catches and had more grabs than BYU's number one tight end, Isaac Rex. So Riley... uh, Clearly, there was something more that he thought he could be seeing than he was. And then what do you see as the effect of Holker's departure on this team's offensive attack?
4: I mean, lack of depth hurts, right? Um- i got to be honest, though. Sometimes when you feel at a position group that you feel a pressure as a quarterback to really have to spread the ball around, it can be tough. So now that you got your guy in Isaac Rex and that is your dude, and, of course, Mason Wake is listed as a tight end, but a lot of his stuff comes more from that H-back position and out of the backfield. He's not lining up in a flex position where you're going one-on-one, maybe throwing him fades or throwing him the ball over the middle. So, I mean, as far as quarterback tight end chemistry, it's just gotten less diluted. Um yeah, I mean, you mentioned all the targets. You mentioned the catches and all those things. They're, these decisions are multifaceted, and nobody knows, right? Even I, I, from everything I could see, it came as a shock to a lot of people in his own locker room. So who, no one knows what's going on inside the mind of any individual or, um, you know, the conversations that they're having with people in their inner circle. So wish down on the best. But I um, – Obviously, it's the next man up, but I think between the chemistry that already exists, between Jaron Hall and Isaac Rex, there should be more than enough production to go around.
1: So what about this BYU offensive attack um, do you think we'll we'll see maybe the biggest change in or needs the most improvement from last week to this week? Is it as simple as saying run the football?
4: Uh, Kind of. I I think what it is, honestly, and this sounds crazy because you don't have that much control, but um I, again i i 'm going to refer back to aaron roderick 's um you know press briefing from Tuesday, I think it was when he said, Well, we got down three scores, and we had to just pass the ball right we the running of the football got well you know. You got down three stores. That also means that you had multiple cracks, multiple possessions in an offense to try and not, you know, to try and buffer the the scoring that Oregon was doing, and they were unable to do so. So I would say starting fast has been, and you've mentioned on air in previous games that BYU has been able to weather a slow start, but after what we saw last week and how it so drastically changed the game plan, I think starting fast will be a, a big part. And then, yeah, they got to find a way to help Chris Brooks. Look, he had 113 yards on 13 carries in, uh, against USF, but Chris Brooks still has not. He was supposed to be 135 the, yards. Oh, 135. Thank yeah. you. Sorry, misspoke. Um, but he still has not been able to find his rhythm as a running back. It's definitely not in the manner that Algier did. And we're okay, getting so, to so, so
1: sorry to finish your thought. And then we'll oh, ask just you we're getting
4: up. into week, this is week four, so you either got to find it tonight or they got to find another way to produce from the backfield.
1: I think he did a good job describing this last week. I think during Cougar Nation now. Describe the running styles of Tyler Algier and Chris Brooks and how they do differ in important ways.
4: With Jeff Grimes and um, through Tyler Algier through last season, the foundational run, it was almost 80% of BYU's runs. Sorry, it wasn't almost. It was more than 80% of BYU's runs. was a wide zone kind of off-tackle concept where... You turn obviously the, all the old line and everybody zone blocks either to the right or the left. You the start angular, yeah, and the, yeah, and the quarterback is angling out, and the and the running back takes the ball on an angular track headed towards the inside cheek of the tackle and then when he sees his opportunity whether it's to continue to stretch whether to hit that B gap between the tackle of the guard or cut it back across uh, you know he sticks that foot in the ground and goes. Chris Brooks does not have either does not have as good a feel or the lateral quickness to be able to do that. They've been running far more power runs at the A gaps and teams have been ready for it um, by solidifying uh, the middle of the defense and hence BYU's inability to you know, pick up yards per carry.
1: He's Riley Nelson. Let's pause now for the BYU Marching Band and our National Anthem. Set down now to field level and former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting from the Zions Bank end zone. For big time banking with a home team feel, Zions Bank is for you. And Mitch, it's going to be great to see BYU get at least uh, one of its weapons back on the offensive end if indeed Puka Nakua plays. And the expectations are that Puka will. He went through warm ups Gunnar Romney did not. But you know, just just getting a familiar face back on the field, whether it's Pooker, Puka or Gunner, or at some point, Bolt is going to have to feel good for Jaron Hall and certainly Cougar Nation. Yeah, absolutely,
10: Greg. You know, and <clears throat> I know the fans, I mean, they've been waiting for this moment to see, you know, Puka, especially tonight, hopefully he does come back. Uh, But how he started that game against USF, the first quarter that he he had, was probably one of the best quarters we've seen a receiver have in in BYU history. And and, and to see him go out, uh, you know, the fans have definitely missed his presence. Um, As far as, you know, expectations I have, if he does touch the field tonight, um, one of the things that, um, I mean, just uh, is very clear with a guy like Puka is it comes with experience. He's a veteran player. And when he steps in that huddle, if he does, um, there's there's, – confidence build for everybody on the field. Um, Having a guy like that he's a a spark plug for the offense Um, I'm sure we'll see a big player too. As far as snaps I don't know how many snaps we'll see you know, I can't, I can't guarantee a, a specific stat line, uh, but having him on the field, it, it brings an energy and an enthusiasm to the offense as you can see that just on, on Puka's presence. So hopefully we do get to see a little bit of Puka. It's also going to be good preparation to get him back on the field as we look ahead in the weeks coming. Uh, he's got some big games down the stretch, so would love those guys healthy back on the field because those are two very big targets for Jaron
1: Mitchell, thank you very much. Coming up, we'll have Riley Nelson's forward keys to the game. The coin toss starting lineup's opening kick all ahead. This has been the new Tricost Cougar Kickoff Show live from LaBelle Edwards Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.